Right. Hey, Sierra Bible Church family, Pastor Jesse here on this Sunday. It's uh, 10 a.m. when this is launching and going live for you. Obviously, this, again, is a season of change and nuance. And uh, I mentioned in the video that probably you received in your email or on social media, blessed are the flexible for they are not been out of shape. And that is something that I've been trying to practice in this season to not be been out of shape, but to give people grace. But it has been difficult. And as I said in the video, uh, if you haven't seen it, you know, we've had some great victories in this season, but we've had a couple losses too. It's, it's not been easy. And uh, hopefully in this season, uh, you are focusing on the Lord and you're keeping your eyes on Christ. So if you're watching this, uh, you probably know we've moved uh, away from the two services indoors. And for now, we're going to be outdoors if you can join us at 10 a.m. So right now as you're watching this, if you're watching at home, you're too late uh, to show up. So there are actually people outside right now uh, worshiping and getting ready to uh, get into the word along with you. So even though we're in different places, again, we're still gathering uh, with one heart and one faith in Christ. Then, of course, if you are new and you're checking things out for the first time, go to sbctrucky.com, sign up uh, for our newsletter at the bottom there. Or if you're looking to support us, uh, there's an option for you to give online there as well. And then also we still have Children's Church uh, next door. And if you do start to come in the coming weeks outdoors, we're asking you to bring uh, your own chair. So uh, that's that. And uh, this morning, we're actually going uh, to be continuing again in our message in Exodus. I'm going to uh, actually take uh, 20, Exodus chapter 20, a little bit of that at the end, Exodus chapter 20, verse 22, all the way through Exodus chapter 24, verse 11. It's a big section, so we're not going to focus on every single uh, Bible verse. We're not even going to read all of it. If you want to, you should go back uh, and read some of it later and read some of just the stuff that's in here. I'm actually kind of excited about this message uh, because it's one of those portions of Scripture a lot of people say, you know, it doesn't apply to us, or this is weird. I don't know what to do with it. And I'll talk about that here uh, in a moment. But uh, we're, we're really going to be tackling, again, this idea of God's law. So again, Moses has brought the people with God's power, with God's spirit out of Egypt into towards the promised land. They're wandering. God has provided all kinds of miracles. He is now provided after the grace of liberation he has now provided for his people the law. Now remember that the law always comes after grace. That is to say that obedience to Christ, obedience in our relationship with Jesus, obedience to God the Father is always preceded by the fact that he is gracious and he is kind and he saves us. What that means is you don't get God's favor by doing everything perfectly. God knows in this season I haven't, uh, and I'm sure you haven't either, uh, but God is a forgiving God, and he saves us in spite of us, and then he asks us to try to live uh, as if these realities, these purities are true in him. And so if you would, if you're at home this morning watching, I want to ask you to stand with me, and again, I'm going to read uh, to you from the passage I actually started with last week. It comes at the end of chapter uh, 24, near the end of this segment, and this is how it reads. Moses came, chapter 24, verse 3, Moses came and he told the people all of the words uh, that the Lord had said and all of the rules and all the people after these rules were presented, the Ten Commandments, plus everything we're about to tackle here this morning, the people answered with one voice and said, all that the words were spoken, uh, that the Lord has spoken, we're going to do them. And then in uh, chapter 
24, verse 7, it then goes on and says, Then he took the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people, and the people responded and spoke, We will do all that and be obedient. And Moses took the blood. There's a crazy thing here, but it points us to the cross. Moses took the blood, threw it on the people, and he said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. And then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and they saw this amazing sight, it tells us, with the God of Israel. They saw under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphires. Says they're seeing God himself and stone like the heavenly, uh, like heaven for clearness. In verse 11, here's the kicker. And he did not lay his hand on the chief of men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and they ate and drank. Let's pray. Lord, we ask again in this morning, as I mentioned last week, mask or no mask, uh, disease or no disease, go back to school or don't go back to school. Lord, these are the things that are being debated, Trump or Biden. Lord, how about none of those things for this moment? How about none of those things for for the season? But rather, how about the next chapter? How about the next verse? How about hearing from God? And so I ask, Lord, this morning that we would hear from you and you would minister to us and you take our eyes off of the distractions, off of the division, and that we would be unified under the great banner of Jesus himself. And all his children said, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's the title of the message this morning. I talked about this a little bit last week. We're going to connect with it. Uh, But this is your kind of Twitter moment, right? I've made a joke that Every now and then I'll say things that you should put on Twitter or Facebook or what have you. Liberations come from limitations. Liberations come from limitations. Again, what do I mean by that? Last week, I I actually used the example of a fish out of water is not really free. It's only free within the right confines, which is the water. But that's true for almost anything. If you really want to be free, you're going to have to put limitations upon yourself. So for instance, uh, I, I played football, and in order to play football, in order to do well at football, there were certain limitations that I had to deal with. I had to exercise in ways that I didn't like. I, in fact, I ran track just so I would be good at football, uh, and I hated track. And every now and then, the coach would make us run long distance. And I don't know if you've seen my physique, but I've never been built for long distance, like ever. And it was always a stretch, but man, I, I was willing to put limitations on myself so I could have more freedom on the football field. And it's the same way with almost anything that you do. If you're going to go be a doctor, if you're going to be a teacher, you're going to have to put some restrictions on yourself so you can have the freedoms that you want. And so we have to recognize that God is speaking to his people in this particular moment. And remember, this is is a little bit backtracked from last week. He's doing two things. One, he's showing us the MRI that, that we have sin and that we're in need, desperate need of God. And he's also showing us through the law, a picture of Christ. Now, let me just mention to you, in this section, there are what they, they, they call the, the ceremonial, not the ceremonial, I'm sorry, the, the mosaic laws exist within in this text. So there's things like this. If you have your Bible in front of you, look at Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, and just try to apply this to your own life. Just let's see if you can apply it. Are you ready? You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. I, I don't know about you. I've never even thought about boiling a goat, let alone doing it in its own milk. So this is an interesting statement. How about, how about this one, Exodus twenty-two eighteen? You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Now, I've not met a sorceress. I've met some demonic people, but I've not met a sorceress. And Exodus here is telling us, you, you just take her out. Just kill her. You find one, just kill her. 
Look at, look at uh, some of the stuff about livestock. Look at Exodus chapter 21 and go to verse 33. When a man opens a pit or when a man digs a pit, so you got a guy outside, he's dug a hole, and he does not cover it, and if an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another man's ox and it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. This is, <coughs> excuse me, this is interesting stuff. So again, you, you're reading it, you're looking at it, and you go, well, how does this apply to me? I don't have a cow. I don't have an ox, let alone having two different cows in the neighborhood attack each other and kill each other. That, that, this is just some weird stuff. There's some things in here about uh, slaves. There's some things in here about women that are contextual to Moses' day and age that aren't necessarily contextual for us. It talks about certain weird laws with, uh, with riding a donkey. I don't, I don't have a donkey. I, I actually do, I drive a Dodge Ram. It's not a donkey. It's a truck. But here's what I want you to understand. In all of this weirdness, God is still trying to reveal himself to us in these laws. So even though the, a lot of these laws, they don't, they don't apply to us, some of these rules and regulations aren't going to be something that we have to worry about necessarily, but God is revealing a piece of who he is through these laws and that'll be my job this morning to help share with you the revelation of who God is through some of these just very interesting laws that really don't apply to us anymore. Now, I got this from another church. Uh, this pastor mentioned, you know, silly laws have been around for a long time. And I'm not saying that these laws from God are silly. They may, say, they may seem silly to us, but they're not necessarily silly. So listen to some actual laws that uh, were revealed to me from another pastor at another church this week while I was studying uh, these are laws that are still on the book. So if you're a lawyer and you're looking uh, for weird ways to sue people, listen to this. In Arizona, uh, there's a law that donkeys can't sleep in bathtubs. I didn't know they like sleeping in bathtubs, but apparently it's illegal. In Delaware, Delaware has a law on the books that you are forbidden to sell the hair of a dog. I don't know who's doing these things, uh, but you can't sell the hair of a dog, which brings me to uh, just, I don't know if you've, have you seen the show Turdy Works? I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a lady who actually makes things out of poop. So there's that for you. Turdy Works, check it out. It's very interesting. In Wyoming, it's illegal to re remove more than half of a sheep's ear. You can remove half, but not more than half. It, that's weird. In Alabama, I love this one. I, I think this law in Alabama is a great law. It's going to save a lot of people. <clears throat> in Alabama, it's illegal to wrestle a bear. Did you know that? You can't wrestle a bear in Alabama. Uh, what a bummer. In Michigan, a woman is not allowed to cut her own hair without her husband's permission. That's still on the book. So those of you who watch this in Michigan, you might want to change that one. Florida, it's illegal to fall asleep under a hairdryer in a salon, which means somebody did that and something bad happened. So uh, North Carolina, you got to be covered or clothed for at least with at least 16 yards of fabric before going into public if you're a woman. That's kind of weird. And how about Memphis, Tennessee? A woman cannot drive a car unless there's a man with a red flag in front of her warning the other people on the road. I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but come on now. That is absolutely ridiculous. Now, at some point in time, maybe those laws made sense. I, I think the one in Memphis has probably never made sense, but I... I I can't help but find the hilarity of some guy driving in front of a woman with a red flag, letting people know 
that another woman's in a car. It's absolutely ridiculous. But likewise, sometimes, sometimes in the Bible, and I should kind of backtrack, it's not just sometimes. A lot of times there's things in the Bible that are hard to understand. And so my job every week is to try to do some studying, to try to make the scripture and what God is saying come to life. And really, if I'm honest, as a Christian, your job is to do that in your own life as well. And I would pray that you would be encouraged to do so from a message like this. But there's things in Scripture that are tough to understand. In fact, the Bible actually doesn't even shy away from that. Uh, listen to what actually Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says this, Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul also wrote according to the wisdom, wisdom given to him as he does in all of his letters when he speaks to them in these matters. Now, now here it is. Here's the part of Scripture. This is Peter speaking to us. This is God through Peter speaking to us. This is the Holy Word. He says, listen now, listen, listen, listen. There are some things in them, in the Scriptures, that are hard to understand. So again, the, the, Bible, the Bible does not shy away from it. There's things in Scripture that are hard to understand. And th this is a piece of Scripture in these laws that are in chapter 21, 22, 23, and 24 that are kind of hard to understand. Why are they there? And it goes on in Peter, and he says, certain people are ignorant to these things in Scripture, and they twist them to their own destruction as they do other Scriptures. Therefore, now, now here's the instruction. When we come across difficult Scripture, when we come across things that are hard to understand, here's how God tells us to handle them. You, beloved, Knowing beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. You say, okay, it's hard to understand, but don't manipulate Scripture. Don't let other people manipulate Scripture. Don't be ignorant of Scripture, lest you lose your stability, okay? Because we need law. Remember what I said? No law is chaos. But then it goes on and says this, because of the law, because God's instruction, because things are hard to understand, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to get to this here in a moment, this idea of growing in grace and growing in the knowledge of Jesus. So just hang with me for a moment. You have to understand something here. Even though that these things are difficult, God is trying to tell us something that is really, really clear, I think, according to these laws. Number one, number one, I believe that God is trying to sh share with us no matter what, even though these laws are hard, even though in a season of difficulty, which the Israelites have been in for quite a time, God is completely victorious. Did you hear me? God is, even in difficult situations, even while reading difficult scripture that is hard to understand, even in trying to adhere to the law of God, God is victorious over death and over idols. Because ultimately what the law does, it reveals sin in our lives, and it reveals things that we worship that we ought not be worshiping. Look at Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. <clears throat> Listen to what God says in the context of all of these laws. I know it's a lot of material, but just hang with me here. Behold, he says, chapter 23, verse 20. I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. This is pretty neat. God's laid out the laws and he says, okay, I've got an angel for you. The angel is going to lead you, and he's going to ensure that you get to the place that you need to go. He goes on and says in verse 21, more about obedience. Pay careful attention to him 
and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. This is crazy. God is basically saying this is like another theophany. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. We're gonna, he's going to send this angel to the people. He's going to lead them. He's, he's going to make sure their sins are forgiven. And it goes on, and look at what it says in verse 28 of chapter 23. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hevites, the Canaanites, the Hittites from before you. Victory is in God. Okay, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. The church is under attack. And, and Satan is doing anything he can to get the church to divide over the most minuscule, most ridiculous things. And we know no matter where you stand on any kind of stance, whatever it may be, that we are united by Jesus Christ, the angel of God, that Christ who has saved us, unites us, and he is victorious. So our response is obedience to the law, obedience to God, and to fight back against these false gods. So look again, I read Exodus 23 earlier. Let me go to Exodus 23 again, but go to verse 24. You shall not bow down to other gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow those false gods, break their pillars into pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you with bread and water, and I will take sickness away from you verse 32 of the same passage you shall make no covenant with them and their gods they shall not dwell in your land lest you make uh, sin against them for if you serve your gods it will surely be a snare to you ephesians actually says it this way be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might here's basically all i'm saying the law shows us again our need for jesus the law reveals who jesus is and while we are fighting, while we are combating, as the people are in Exodus, as they will, as it says, against the Hevites and the Prezuites and the Jebusites and the Outasites and the Cellulites and all the Adawadites, whatever they are, God will be victorious. He's going to send the angel of the Lord ahead of us. So my friends, in a season where the world and the season where Satan is trying to attack and divide the church, my friends, we are victorious and we are to walk in victory. In order to truly walk into victory, we need a deeper understanding of the character of God. And these laws give us an understanding of God. I'll get to that more in a moment. So, <clears throat> now remember, the law of God has come from the mountain. This mountain is shaking. And ultimately, the law and this mountain show us that God's giving us a higher view of who he is. So many of you hike and many of you, you know, you, you do all those fun things, mountain climbing and all that, mountain biking. And you know the best views are the higher up you can go. Uh, I remember actually one time, I, uh, uh, I can't remember how old I was, but for a friend's birthday, we decided uh, to skydive. And, and, and it's a, it was a wonderful experience. It was fun. Uh, it was enjoyable. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. But I remember initially when you fall out of the airplane, there's that initial, <gasps> and your stomach kind of goes up into your throat and you feel this rush of adrenaline, and then at a certain point you hit what's called terminal velocity. And all it feels like is a lot of wind in your face. In fact, there was so much wind that one of my contacts from my, the left side of my eye just sucked out of my goggles and, and flew away to never to be seen again. But the view, even with one eye, from the top of, 
of jumping out of that airplane was beautiful. It was magnificent. God, as he's revealing himself to Israel, and as he reveals himself to us, is helping us to fall more in love with him from the highest view of who God is. So let me break it down like this, okay? This is actually really cool. I got it from a a Christian rapper, and and I've placed it into my sermon in a way where I'm not going to rap it because I can't rap. But this is what he says in the beginning of one of his albums. That in order to kill our gods, in order to move into transcendence, that is to say, in order to move into a deeper relationship with God, what one needs is theology. So maybe you've heard that before. Hopefully it's a familiar term. Theology, all theology simply means is that it is the study of of who God is. So anytime you have a thought about God, even if you're an atheist, you say you don't believe in God, that's theology, my friends. You're either a good theologian or you're a bad one, but we all need theology. But what he stated was, theology alone is not sufficient. Good theology, good understanding of God, even the law, should lead to what we call doxology. Maybe you're familiar with that term. Doxology simply means that we are praising God. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So before the message, you heard some doxology. We, we praised God based in theology. And then after the message, we respond again with doxology, which is to praise God because of the truth in which we've just heard. Now here's the deal. All theology, all your thoughts of God, including the law, should lead to doxology or you've utterly missed the point of theology. Because if you have, if you have theology and no doxology, you end up with, as he stated, idolatry. You end up with false worship. Or you end up with something even worse, dead worship, stagnant worship, worship without love, doxology without true praise, without true emotion towards God. Now, there are those out there, though, who say, we don't need to worry about all the theology. We just need doxology. Just let me praise Jesus. Give me some good music. Make me feel good. Now, The reality of not having any good doxology is that it actually then becomes dead orthodoxy, meaning that that you you, you have this praise, but it's not rooted in the realness of God. If you sing, you may be singing of that which is false. Again, this is why we need limitations. God shows us certain limitations, certain structures, certain ways to live that are founded in this book throughout the whole Bible that leads to a better flourishing of life And as we have the clear understanding of who God is, when we have good theology, that is good thoughts about God, we end up with greater praise towards Jesus. That that means if a good church has good theology, it'll have great doxology. Let me say it another way. A church that has a good Bible teaching presence will have an awesome and amazing worship experience. You gotta have both. You can't just say, well, I just wanna praise and feel good, or I just want this intellectual basis of who God is. You need both or you don't have the clearest picture of God. So God lifts his people up in the law. And in this section, there are 50 laws, 50 guidelines with 50 different punishments for all of the different things that occur in here. Let me break down a few of them and you could break them down into six sections. There are laws concerning slaves and servants, which is different than how we see slaves today. So when you see in the Bible, someone says, the Bible promotes slavery. No, it doesn't. So think of it this way. 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I hope we have a football season. I don't know. I don't know what's happening in football anymore. Sports are banned. All that stuff's crazy. But Patrick Mahomes just signed a deal for some enormous amount of money to play with the Chiefs for the next, I think it's 10 years. What's happened is he's entered into a deal where basically uh, the Chiefs own the rights to Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. They own him to perform for the next 10 years, and he can't break that contract. And if he does, there's certain punishments and what have you. This was kind of the same thing in the Old Testament. They would enter into contracts, and they would use this word slavery in the sense of, you are mine, you will serve my household, you'll enter into this job for X amount of time, whether it was for debt or something else, but it wasn't slavery the way we think about it. It was more like entering into a deal with another person. So there's laws about how you treat slaves or servants. There's laws concerning injury. I mentioned the two bulls ramming into each other. There's laws on murder or physical harm. There's laws concerning restitution. There's laws concerning personal and public holiness. There are laws concerning social justice. And there are laws concerning the Sabbath and other festivities and festivals. So here's what the law shows us about God. Now, this is the part I'm going to break down for you. What do the laws teach us about God? Why are they important to me? Now, again, I don't have time to go through all of them and say, this is how it plays out in our day. This is how it plays out at work. And this is how it plays out in your family. You're going to have to do a little bit of work on your own. But after we read all of these, if you were to look at all these laws concerning restitution and slavery and Sabbath and festivals, really they show us six things, okay? If you're a note taker, and I hope you are, last week there was a guy sitting over here in church Man, he was taking notes like crazy. Made me feel good about myself, like I was saying something intelligent. And, and I don't know, it just made me feel good. So I hope you're a note taker. Uh, note takers learn more, by the way. Um, number one, it shows us what it looks like to be holy. Once we're saved, God shows us within some of these laws that, that, that being separate from the world matters. Uh, the New Testament expresses it this way. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom have you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. That's number one. You're, you're to be pure. That means you're to treat your body the way that God has called you to treat your body. So I'm going to confess one of my own sins to you, okay, uh, to my church, to my family. Uh, the first couple of months of COVID-19, I, I, I physically just shut down. So I, not, I didn't catch COVID-19 as far as I know, but I caught COVID-19. And literally, it's about 19 pounds. So What am I doing? I know that in order to do ministry well, to be healthy, to have the right energy, I'm back in the gym, I'm back sweating, I'm trying to lose some pounds. I'm sure all of you have all kinds of advice on that. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you didn't send it to me. I know what I need to do. I need to exercise more and eat less. I get it. And more vegetables. I hear you, Schroeders. Okay. Number two, you have to have integrity. What it means to have integrity. So we see God wants us to be pure because he's pure. And he wants us to be integrity. This means if you look at the laws, you'll see that he calls us to respect our leaders, to give our offerings back to God. And what it literally means is to stick to your ethic, no matter what, your code, no matter what. Exodus 22, verse 28, you shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. He's directly telling the people, don't complain against Moses. Don't complain against your leaders, but rather have integrity and treat everybody the same. And we know that for us with the gospel, that means to be gracious to people. Right now, I am, I am like just, just this close to deleting everything for the church and everything for myself on social media because it's filled with so much vitriol. 
The New Testament actually tells us that, that, that in the end times, mother will turn against daughter and father against son. My friends, this is happening. And what's sad is it's, it's division, not over the gospel, but it's division over things that in, in, five months ago we would have never thought would ever divide us. I just want you to consider for a moment when you look at these laws and when you look at who God is, would he really have you divide over these things? Or would he rather have you love your brother to the best of your ability? Number three, it shows us that we must, as God's people, because God has it, we must possess mercy and compassion, especially towards the poor or the widow or the fatherless. Exodus 22, verse 27. This is where God says, and if someone who's been taken advantage of cries to me, he says, I will hear him for I am compassionate. God is compassionate, so we should be compassionate. So, so if you're following me, these laws show us that God is holy and he's pure and he has integrity. That is to say he is consistent and he is compassionate and so should we. Number four, we are, we are to pa- practice justice. We're to care for those who are needy. It, it tells us in Exodus chapter 22, verse 21 through 22, look at this. Have compassion towards the sojourner, which is to say the alien, that is to say the individual who crosses the border in Mexico. Have compassion for the alien because you were sojourners. God's people didn't belong to the land they were coming from. They were sojourners, and the New Testament amplifies this and says you're not a citizen of this world. You're a citizen of heaven. You're passing through. You're a sojourner. So the gospel heart within these laws is to say, you're not like me, you're not from here, but man, I'm going to help take care of you and lift you up to the best of my ability. Number five, you're to be fair. This is why I'm wearing the shirt this morning here. Hopefully it's clean so I can wear it outside on Sunday, when, but, but even though it's Sunday for you. This, this, this passage from Micah tells us, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. This is from So Ministries from Travis, who takes care of orphans and widows in Mexico. My friends, the church, especially in this season, has to be identified with being individuals who do do justice. That means there's something for us to do, to love kindness, which means to be kind to people who are unkind, and to walk humbly with our God. That is to have a level of humility. And to say, I, I love God. I haven't done everything well. I haven't done everything right. I'm willing to, to learn from you. In fact, someone on social media uh, kind of attacked me for some of my stances. And I just said, hey, hey, listen, I, I understand where you're coming from, even though I disagree with you. But I'm one of those guys that said, if you let me know, just, just send me a DM, send me a direct message, and I'll take you out to lunch and we'll go to lunch and we'll have a conversation. I'm sure without a shadow of a doubt, this guy is not a Christian. He's probably anti-church and anti who knows what else and pro whatever else. In fact, he actually accused me of worshiping the demigod that is Trump. Yep, I was accused of worshiping Trump. And I never even said anything about politics. And, and I'm, I'm not someone that runs around and says, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I like to say, I identify with the kingdom of God. That's where my heart is. And I want our country to be closer to Jesus because of the gospel. And my job is to be fair with this individual and, as, and to love them. Because number six is not just to be fair, not just to do what is right, not just to do what is kind. But number six is to love your enemy. How many enemies do you have this season? 
How many arguments have you had about politics in this season? How many times have you had the conversation about whether we should or shouldn't be wearing masks? How many times have you had just that, that, that kind of dialogue that is divisive? Have you been yelled at for not wearing a mask? Have you been mocked for wearing a mask? Have you been belittled? Have you been rejected? Have you been yelled at? Have you, have you had arguments that are filled with, with angst? Listen to what God says. He says it in the New Testament too, by the way. This isn't just Old Testament stuff. God's the same yesterday as he is today. He says in Exodus 23, verse 4, if you meet your enemy's ox, <laughs> again, right, we're not going to have a problem with you finding your enemy's ox, but I think you can translate this into your everyday life. If you have an enemy's ox or his donkey and you see it going astray, you shall bring it back to him. Don't let it just wander off and die is what God is saying. He goes on in verse 5. If you see a donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, that is basically it's dying, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with your enemy. You shall not pervert justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. God says, Jesus says, you know what we do as Christians? Because of the saving grace of God, because we were once enemies of God before the gospel, what do we do? We allow ourselves to have certain limitations so we can have radical freedoms. We allow limitations to come in our lives so that we can have the liberation that God brings. That means that we should be pure. We should say no to certain things. I, I got to say no to that extra slice of meat and that extra donut in the morning. I've got to say no to myself in certain areas. I've got to be a person who's compassionate, even though I don't want to be. I've got to be forgiving, even though I don't want to be. I've got to love my enemies, even though they seem so crazy right now. And don't they? It's as if our society has lost the ability to think straight. And because we can't think straight, because we're letting the world move us and we're letting social media and the news manipulate us rather than the, the truth and the law of God, we've allowed our emotions to be heightened and we, 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 we've hindered, hindered ourselves from truly loving the people in the community. Someone said to me, and it was such good news for me today. An individual who comes to our church, he sat down and he said to me, Jesse, this church has been here for 50 years, man, and I want you to know, be strong, keep doing what you're doing, because it's going to be here for at least another 50 more. And I almost started crying in my chair, because I realized, you know, that this guy was living in a reality that at times I haven't always been living in. Blessed are the flexible, for then I've been out of shape, man. I have lost my cool at times, and I just want to tell you, church, hey, we rise up, because there is something more at stake than mask or no mask. There's souls at stake. We need to continue to preach the goodness of God. So let me, let me leave you with some challenges about the law of God. And this is all encompassing. I know this is a lot, and I know I didn't cover every chapter and every verse and every little tittle here, and I don't have time for that, but good news, <laughs> you do. And so as we look at this, what are, what are the five things, I'll go through them quickly, five things that we should do with the law. Number one, we should humbly receive it like Moses. One way that you know you're humble is when, when something comes across your face and your first reaction is to say that's not true. Instead of saying it's not true, you take time to listen. How much listening have you taken in this season? Have you really listened to your brother? Have you really listened to your sister? Uh, or, or are you just 
you know, I hate to say it, but some of us, man, we just, all, we just go to the same news site every day. Don't do that. You might be better off not even reading the news right now. You might be better off not watching any of the news or the press conferences, but just diving in to God's word. We receive it humbly. Number, number two, we love it like David. We learn to find affection towards the written law of God, towards, towards God, because it leads, again, to greater adoration, more freedom in Christ, and it liberates us from our own negative emotions. This is what David said in Psalm 119, verse 97, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day and night. David, David man, who, who, who was a man after God's own heart, he tells us, man, I'm thinking about God's law every day. I'm meditating on it every day. When was the last time you just went through the law of God and tried to find Jesus in, in the goodness of Jesus and meditated on it just for 20 minutes, let alone all day, as he says? Number three, we practice it like Solomon. And we learn from Solomon. See, Solomon practiced it, and, and he went and he was strong in the earth. He, he got to build the temple. And then when he rejected it, he fell because he stopped listening to the law of God. So we have to practice the law. That means all those things I just read to you, having integrity, having compassion, being fair, loving your enemies, you have to do it. You can't just say you love God and not practice it, for James tells us that's dead religion. Number four, you've got to devour it just as Ezekiel and Jeremiah did. Listen to these verses in the Old Testament. The prophet Ezekiel says, O son of man, feed your belly with this scroll. That's the word of God. He says, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you. It will fill your stomach. And, and, and he goes on, he says that he ate it in his, in his mouth. It was sweet as honey because it revealed to him who God was. Or Jeremiah, he says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. We got to eat that thing up. We've got to eat scripture. That means, to eat it means to read it. Find it sweet. Find Jesus in that scripture. Find the picture of Christ in that scripture. And then number five, this is the last one. We've got to learn to treasure it like Job. Man, Job went through it. You think you've had sickness? You think Wayne was sick when you saw those videos of Wayne? Job had it worse. In the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his rejection, which all of these things are happening in the church today, so this is a lesson for us. Job says in chapter 23, verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than the portion of my food. He says, in the season of suffering, in the season of sickness, God's word is more important to me than substance or medicine. I need more of the spoken word of God. My friends, how can we not be preaching this? Why aren't churches saying this? Why aren't you at home beating this into your mind, into your heart? Have you found God's written word, the love of Christ, so beautiful and so filled with hope that it is better for you than, 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 than medicine, that it's better for you than even food itself? Because if we dive in and we see Jesus in these texts, my friends, you will be liberated in a way that you could never think or imagine. And the reason we need to do this, it, it tells us, Moses closes the covenant in chapter 24, the verse we started with. And he sprinkles the people with blood, which is a picture of understanding that the people of God, you and I, are covered with the perfect blood of Jesus. That Jesus has sprinkled upon us his forgiveness, his compassion, his mercy, his integrity, 
his steadfastness. It's poured on you. Not because you've done any of these things well. Because I know you haven't, and I know I haven't. But because he's done them well, and he loves you. So church, would you enter in to the scripture? And would you confine yourself to some liberations that are in the Bible so that you can have true freedom, true limitlessness in Christ, in the culture and in your life and in your heart? And may more people find freedom from the slave, the slavery in a sinful world and the freedom in Christ that he gives. Let us pray, let us fight, let us keep going. Lord, we're desperate for you. We're so very desperate for you. Our people need you. Our church needs you. The world needs you. Lord, would you do as you, as you have been doing for hundreds and thousands of years, Lord? Would you intervene on our behalf? Would you bring us to yourself? Our greatest need is not to be healed from COVID-19 but to be healed from the idols of self and self-worth and saved into the righteousness of Christ. Give us you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.